Hi, welcome to True Creeps, where the stories are true and the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore to the possibly plausible paranormal, to horrifying history, to tense and terrible true crime, and everything else that goes bump in the night. We're your hosts, Amanda, and I'm Lindsay, and we want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, everybody. Today, we're talking about so many different things in Appalachia. So many. So many. I'm very excited. I am too. When I saw this come up, I was like, I've been waiting for this one. And yet, we're going to talk about so many things, and there's still so many more, so we'll likely have more Appalachia episodes in the future. But just real quick, a special thank you to two of our patrons, Damien and Chloe, for recommending recommending Appalachia. Um, Recommending. Recommending. Uh, I don't even know what kind of accent that would be. It's just words unable to come out of my mouth. It's staying in that episode proper, though. Perfect. Yeah, it's well, it's right part. It's part of this. But anywho, they recommended Appalachia. They recommended. So we're going to do it today. Recommended. Uh, (laughs) But so... (laughs) We're going to start with a bit of history and discussion about Appalachia because I vaguely knew what it was, but I was like, I don't know how we define it. It's a big area. Because I know that it's not just mountains. Yeah. But then we're going to discuss, we, we saw like a list of superstitions. And we were like, interesting. We love covering superstitions about a topic. I think our snake episode, <laughs> the milk and the snake still gets me. And then our stories, we're actually going to travel north to south Appalachia. So there's a, a geographic order to what we're, we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Also, one thing we do recognize is that there are two ways of saying it. And depending on like the region that you're in is typically the way that you say it. So we say Appalachia, but many parts of our country say Appalachia. Can I tell you that when you were saying it, I was hearing Appalachia. Appalachian, Appalachian. My brain does the same thing. Really? Yes. It completely just molds the two. Interesting. You'll hear me say them interchangeably different throughout this entire episode. What a thing. Interesting. What a thing. So like we mentioned, it's a pretty big geographic area and the boundaries are kind of like differently defined, but it was originally considered to be the areas on and around the, the Appalachian Mountains in the eastern United States, particularly like on the mountains. And the Appalachian Mountain Range is massive. But since the end of the 19th century, it's also been considered a cultural region. Also in the late 19th century, that's when it started to be called the Appalachian Mountains as its primary name, because before that, it was commonly referred to as the Allegheny Mountains or Alleghenia. But the Appalachian Mountains are the fourth oldest surviving European place name in the U.S. So clearly that name is pretty old. It was in 1540 that Spanish cartographers actually named that mountain range that we're talking about the Appalachian Mountains. And they did that because the native populations that were present for the Narvisk expedition in 1528, when the, the name that was transcribed in their records was Appalachian or Appalachian. And then there were some spelling differences throughout the years, but it seems like the pronunciation stayed pretty common. And it wasn't until 1565 that Appalachian mountains were like written on a map, although they were referred to in that way. I always think it's kind of interesting in like how you reference an area, especially because I was like, well, how do who names a mountain? (laughs) I mean, yeah. So when we're talking about the region specifically, in 1965, the Appalachian Regional Commission, also known as ARC, was formed to address persistent economic disparities in that region compared to the rest of the United States. Because what they were finding is that people were living in worse conditions, had less economic opportunities, and were living in poverty at a higher rate. 
And so ARC was created to address these issues. So when they were trying to figure out the boundaries of what Appalachia was, one of the things that they did was they looked at, on the outskirts, communities that were facing these same issues. And so some of them were lumped into Appalachia. And so they're considered to be part of it now. So per ARC's website, Appalachia is made up of 423 counties across 13 states and spans 206,000 square miles from southern New York to northern Mississippi. And there's 26.3 million residents, and they live in Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, Maryland, Mississippi, New York, North Carolina, South Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia. Those are all some part of the state is in Appalachia, and then all of West Virginia is in Appalachia. It's a very big area. Yes, it also comprises three federally recognized and five state-recognized Native American communities and tribal entities in Appalachian, Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, New York, and North Carolina. So massive. I don't think I realized how big it was until we were doing this research. Me either. I knew it was a large space, partially because of the Appalachian Trail. And so I was like, I know that takes months to hike. So clearly it's far, but I didn't realize just how far. Right, right. When I looked at a map, I was like, oh. Oh, it's big. (laughs) I kept thinking it was like a couple states, not giant, giant. Yeah, but it's also a massive mountain range. Yes. And so now we're going to talk about some superstitions. And the reason is because these particular ones seem to be pretty common in this area, which we love, right? We love superstitions. And we have talked about some of them before in our Friday the 13th episode forever ago. Yeah. So the first superstition. Never close a knife you didn't open, or you'll have bad luck for seven years. Random. I just need you to know that means that Ben has so much bad luck because I'll open a knife and I'm like, I don't know how to close this. How do I close it? And then I hand it to him and he closes it. Because I'm like, (laughs) like, if I have like longer nails, then like I can't push down the little mechanism. Press the button. And I'm like, well, you have to close this. So I'm just like racking up years and years of bad luck for him. (laughs) He's going to blame you for everything now. Perfect. No, he won't. He doesn't listen. He doesn't know that this happened. He doesn't know this is a bad luck. That's true. That's true. He'll never know. <laughs> um, Keep a penny in your washer. Sounds too loud. Absolutely fucking not. No. <laughs> too loud. I can't even handle when you're washing like jeans that have the button and you like hear it clinking. No. What this makes me think of is like in a time when there was like a bucket and a washing board that you'd keep a penny in that water that's tenable but like in a situation where it's going to be banging about moving around the cabin that sound even thinking about it makes my like teeth hurt yeah like it it has the same reaction that like biting tinfoil would make is the reaction i have to that sound (laughs) so the next one don't wash clothes on new year's day or you will wash a family member out I've heard this one in different capacities, too. I've heard that you'll wash away the good luck that the new year brings. But this was only recently that I heard that. I saw a TikTok this year on not like looking at your bank account or your money or you'll spend the entire year worrying about money or don't clean on the new year or you'll spend the entire year cleaning up somebody else's messes. Uh Uh-huh. I saw those, too. Not just like in the house, but like theoretically. But yeah. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's fine. New Year's Day. Just chill. Don't do anything. I love a superstition that makes me relax. Like that is like, don't clean that day. And I'm like, don't worry. (laughs) I can't. We need a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah, Can someone add them like 
every Friday, you just need to chill or bad shit will happen. Yeah. And we're like, okay, we'll just chill all the time. If you don't have a silly, goofy time on a weekend night, at least like one weekend day, you're going to have bad luck for the next week. You need to have a silly, goofy night at least one night per weekend. Unless something bad is happening, then you need to. You know what this means? We need an overcooked night. Oh, God. I don't know if I'd call that silly, goofy <laughs> night. I would call that Lindsay's very stressed out and Amanda <laughs> is also stressed out, but we're handling it in two very different ways. <laughs> I love it so much. No one will play Overcooked and it makes me so sad. Look, I want to play it, but I just think I need to be in the right mental state. Like, had hard stuff going on lately. So, I mean, I was like, do you want to play Overcooked? And I was like, no. I instead ate waffles in my bed while watching the show devious maids which just feels like a soap opera but is like it's it's like not really good but it is addictive and i've gotten ben into it oh no and he's like who's that why are they doing that and i was like you need to suspend all logic here we are in a soap opera just go with it (laughs) it's a fun time we just finished the new episode of smothered so i forget about smothered we're with you (laughs) Oh, it's garbage, but I love it. Yeah, I do want to start. Actually, no, I'm not going to tell you what I want to start. Leave this in because I'm going to tell you about it when we get to another thing. Leave in episode proper, all of this, all of this nonsense. All of this in episode proper. Okay, you got it. (laughs) We were talking about superstitions. It's all relevant. (laughs) Okay, okay. So let's move on to the next one then. Don't walk under a ladder. If you find yourself under one, don't turn around or back up. I've heard that one. That just feels like good sense. Because typically, if there's a ladder, it's because somebody's going to be on it. So, like, don't be milling about under the ladder. I feel like it's just a good rule. Yeah. Like, something, nothing good's going to come from that. It was probably just created so people would stop walking under, like, knocking people off the ladders. I mean, I feel like the origin of a lot of superstitions is there's, like, something that somebody did. And they're like, if you don't do this, it won't be a problem. Don't touch <laughs> open knives. That's not your business to deal with, you know? Unless your wife hands it to you because she can't close it and the other option is that you'll have open knives around your house so like you know pick and choose but anyway let's keep going (laughs) don't let anyone sweep under your feet what about vacuuming because there's a lot of times where i'm like move your feet as you were saying it i was like what are you jumping like (laughs) how is someone sweeping under your feet because i was picturing a standing person on a sitting person (laughs) and then I was like, well, I guess they're sitting and my head was like vacuuming. The idea of like sweeping under someone's feet, even though I like did it like a few weeks ago. Yeah. I wonder if swiffering under the feet is the same thing. And does Roomba count? Because Roomba doesn't give a fuck. Oh, no. Roomba's just, I am vacuuming. Move your shit. Yeah. So another one is don't cut your baby's hair before their first birthday. And that one's a little strange to me because I know there's a lot of cultures that actually shave their baby's heads very early. I did not know that. Yeah. I don't know anything about baby hair and when you do that. So (laughs) anyone's guess. Depending on the culture, there's various reasons why they do it. But I heard that one after I cut Oliver's hair. I think he was like eight months. And I was like, oh, whoopsies. His hair was in his eyes. What was I supposed to do? So (laughs) don't let a pregnant woman see a dead person or the baby will have a birthmark. I think don't look at dead people generally is a good thing to do unless absolutely necessary. Unless it's your profession or something. You know what I'm saying? I guess. But birthmarks are common whether you've seen dead people or not. Maybe pregnant women are seeing dead people all the time. They don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Did I tell you Ollie has a birthmark? And it's the exact same birthmark that Mike's sister has. Did you see a dead person when you were pregnant? I didn't. I don't think I did. Who can know though, right? 
Another one is hold your breath when you pass a cemetery or you'll be the next to die. That's terrifying. Like we have some really big cemeteries. Like you can't, you'll die. You'll, that, I mean, you will die trying to hold your breath to pass this long ass cemetery. I've also heard the same thing for like going under a bridge. I've also seen for a tunnel. Yeah, like that's what I mean, a tunnel bridge thing. But I've heard I've heard going over bridges and going under tunnels. Oh, I've tunnels. heard over. Yeah, I've heard okay. I've heard them all. Just hold your breath all the time. No breathing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Have you ever done that though? And then you're like as like a kid and you're like, I'm supposed to hold my breath or something bad will happen. And then you're like, never mind, I guess something bad's gonna happen because I'm gonna die. Either way. I think I tried it like once or twice and I was like, I don't have great lungs. And I, did, I never tried it again and just moved on from that. Never considered why. You know, <laughs> I've heard the cemetery one too. But when we were little, there's a cemetery we drive by all the time. And there was a light between the streets and the cemetery was really long. So like if we got that red light, you couldn't hold your breath anymore. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. This is before traffic lights. I'm sure of it. Yeah. And probably <laughs> big cemeteries. Probably. So if you're walking with someone, you have to go on the same side of a post or an obstacle or it'll break your friendship. So like don't split it, right? Yeah. So I've seen like if you're holding hands with someone, you don't want to like unclasp your hands to walk around something because that's bad luck. I didn't know that. And I did it once. And I remember Ben being like unnerved by it. How dare you? I was like, okay, I'm sorry. No beef. (laughs) No beef. All right. Now this one, I totally believe. Never leave a rocking chair rocking. Or you will invite spirits. And my takeaway from that is like, one, don't have a rocking chair because they're all haunted. And two, if you have to have a rocking chair, make it so it cannot rock anymore because it's haunted. Just make it a chair. Already. They come pre-haunted. I guess my thing is like, if the chair stops rocking and you get up, it's going to rock again. So I feel like there's just no winning here. Well, you get up and you're supposed to like stabilize it before you walk away. You have to like back away slowly i just feel like this was made up by a person who'd never been on a rocking chair because like that's how rocking chairs work they rock no just everyone knows that they are they're haunted all of them every single one they're bad news they're bad news yeah okay well look we're a cool 25 minutes into our recording should we talk about our second topic of like seven yes maybe so we're gonna go to north new jersey which is as north as we're gonna talk about today And there is a 6.7 mile road that's called Shades of Death Road. And it's in East of Hope Township and it runs along Jenny Jump State Forest in Warren County. It's a two lane road. It's completely paved. It looks like a normal road. But there's a whole bunch of different accounts on like why the road has that nickname. So let's just go through them. That wildcats around there like to kill people. Sure. That the surrounding woods contain the body of murdered victims and their ghosts stroll the roadway. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, and then there's a legend where, legend has it, that a group of teens was driving down Shades of Death Road on a rainy night that happened to be the night of their prom. So they're all dot up and they lose control of the car on the slippery road and they crash into a ditch and one of the girls dies. Some say that they have seen the ghost of a girl wearing a prom dress on that particular curve of the road but only when it's raining. I mean, that is terrifying. Yeah. But also all I think of is the movie where the pink Power Ranger dies and she's on her way to the dance and then her ghost comes back to find like the deed to a home. I think, I think it's her parents' home. It's been a while since I've watched it, but do you know what I'm talking about? 
Did you watch this movie? It sounds vaguely familiar, but I do want to say that it does seem like a an interesting trope that the ghosts seem to be very worried about property law, you know? Like they're like, <laughs> let me find the deed to this house. Let me find this recorded instrument. Or obviously not recorded instrument. There's a reason. I need to watch it again. But it was on the Disney Channel all the time, and it's called Suzy Q. It sounds vaguely familiar. And I've mentioned this movie several times to people, and they look at me like I'm crazy. But I'm like, the pink Power Ranger died, and she needs to come back to help her family. It's good. It's great. She's Everyone should watch it. You could find the deeds of this house. She's the only one. And she's like in her dress the whole time, too, like her dance. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Other reasons why it's called this road. Perhaps people see ghosts of the dead in the mist. Maybe including Susie Q holding a fucking deed. Probably. What else would you see in the mist, though? Can you imagine going down this, like, windy road? It's misty. Of course you're going to see a ghost. Or the lady in white. <laughs> always. Always. Maybe <laughs> she's wearing a white brown dress. Maybe. Okay. Uh, here's another one. Robbers killed a man with a jack over gold coins. Okay. And the idea was, like, the guy had, like, a flat tire. My brain is having a hard time making sense of a guy who's, like... Fixing his car with a jack, which feels relatively modern, and that man having gold coins. <laughs> and all I can think in my head is that he doesn't really have gold coins. He has, like, the chocolate pieces <laughs> with the gold coin wrapper. And I'm like, that's not what this says. But is that the story that I'm telling myself? And then this man was killed over chocolate. And not even good chocolate. Oh, yeah, that suck. What I had in mind is that the robbers were those evil horses we've discussed oh yeah who definitely love gold coins yes well it's because they were traumatized yeah of course yeah that's how you get evil horses is you traumatize them yeah hurt people hurt people and hurt horses hurt people (laughs) (laughs) that's also a sticker (laughs) and And I'm not so no no. So it's hurt people, hurt people, traumatize horses, also hurt people because we don't want people to think we're like advocating hurting horses because we're not talking about that. But anyway, the next one: a woman who murdered her husband was like, "Okay, I need to bury this body." So she buried his head on one side and then the rest of his body on the other side. That seems inefficient. It seems like she thought he was a vampire. Isn't that yeah. like a thing? I think, yeah. You need to keep their like head away from their body. Yeah. Okay. And then another of the like theories, but it's also kind of mixed with a bit more history, is that there was an outbreak of malaria nearby and that this was an area where there were a lot of deaths. That's sad. So they named this particular area that because a lot of people were dying in this area from malaria. But it's unclear of like the timing of when it started being called that. And there's just a lot of info in the ether here. Yeah. Do you have any of those roads near you where you're like, that name is terrible? Why did they name it this? Lake Fanny Road. That doesn't sound like death, though. Oh, no. No, we don't have any, like, spooky ones. I mean, we probably do, and I'm just unaware of it. We have a bunch, like, out in the desert area. And, like, there are reasons kind of like this. But we have several of them. And when you drive by, you're like, am I going to die here? That would be a fun episode is like doing a whole bunch of weird roads like that, which also yeah. it's a new thing that I've started doing when we're researching is I'll make like a map just to kind of like figure everything's thing out. If you look at our show notes, I've included the map for all the places today. Oh, smart. So, just a fun little thing, because especially I was like, well, let me make sure <laughs> that I am correct in my north to south. <laughs> like, 
description. You did it. I wasn't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then I was ashamed. And I was like, it's not a state I go to. I've been there like once. I'm fine with it. I'm not going to tell you what states I don't know where they are. But <laughs> the map was helpful. All right. So the next place we're going to talk about is the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Now, in its history, it changed quite a bit. So we are going to interchange the words asylum and hospital, but we are talking about the same location. So let's start with the history. The hospital was built between 1858 and 1881 in Weston, Virginia, and it was on over 600 acres of land, which that's that's too big. That's for massive. an institution. Too big. So it's actually the largest building in North America that is hand-cut stone, which is interesting. Like, I never really think about, like, the particular materials things are built out of and being like, this is the oldest one, you know? Yeah, but, like, hand-cut feels like a lot of fucking stone for this size building. Yes, yes. It, it looks really cool, though. So the building was designed by Richard Andrews in accordance with the theories of Dr. Thomas Story Kirkbride. That's a mouthful. That's a big name. Mm -hmm. So historically, mentally ill people were not treated in a manner that was humane. So like we've talked about before, a lot of places kept their patients in like jails and almshouses. Sometimes they would be chained to walls, right? Weird doctoring yeah. would happen and it would just hurt them. It wouldn't actually cure or do anything. And so at least like the theories that Dr. Thomas Story Kirkbride had were more positive, right? Like they actually wanted to cure them. So in this particular one, it had long wings that were staggering, but they connected. And the formation allowed for a lot of sunlight and fresh air. And so to kind of paint a picture, it was kind of like a shallow V. It kind of came to a point at the like front of it, but it's brawled out outwards on both sides yeah like i would even say it almost looks like on your keyboard the little bracket guy yeah with the with the nipple whatever that one's called <laughs> it looks like that to me okay okay raised edges and then kind of like rounds out to like a point because there's like a center part mm -hmm. but right weird way but yeah sure yeah <laughs> i don't know man so the facilities also offered the ability for patients to engage in mentally and physically stimulating activities. Theoretically, it should have been good. Yeah. So like, it sounds like it would have been a place where you could actually heal. Yeah. If they were thinking of bettering people, not just having a place for them to like be left, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And there are about 300 other facilities that were designed by Kirkbride's theories. So this wasn't like the only one. Mm-hmm. However, these buildings were expensive to maintain, and the idea of these buildings being more curative was discredited, which is really sad. Yeah. Many of them were demolished or abandoned. And I mean, it makes sense, like, if they can't keep up, right? Yeah. And I feel like when you're talking about the idea that they're, like, designed to be curative, and then they end up being demolished, it's like, oh, no, what happened? Yeah, yeah. So the original hospital was designed for 250 people which seems like a very small number for how big it was. Yeah. And I get that part of the point of this is that they're like spread out and they have the space to like actually heal. But I don't know whether that was sometimes a theory is good in theory, but in practice, it's not practical. It's not something that you can like fiscally sustain for a building. Yeah. That, like anything that we're going to talk about should have happened. But like this should have been considered like in the building stages of like, does it make sense to do this? Right, right. And the hospital was still being built when the Civil War began. 
And at the onset of the war, the foundation had been excavated and walled in, plus the southernmost wing had been completed. So like in the middle stages of making this thing. Just a bit, yeah. However, when Virginia seceded from the Union, the work on the hospital just stopped. Before the work had halted, though, the state of Virginia had deposited $30,000 in gold that would be used to pay the people building the asylum. With inflation, that's nearly $1 million today. I also feel like that's actually not a lot of money to pay everyone for the building of an asylum. Like, that feels actually like a very cheap building. Like, $1 million is a lot of money, and it's a lot of money with inflation. But when you think of, like, the cost of building something like this today... Oh, yeah. You couldn't... So much more, especially because we were saying these were hand-cut stones, right? So, like, that's that's a lot more work. So, early in the morning on June 30th, 1861... Colonel Tyler and his troops came through the town of Weston to seize the 30000 in gold before it was sent to fund the rebellion in Richmond. They took all but $2,371.23. And this money was due to creditors. This feels so considerate. It does. It's very specific. Like they... Like as considerate as one can be when yeah. taking money. Right. The money went to Wheeling and was eventually used to create West Virginia. Fascinating. Soon after, the asylum, although partially built, and the grounds surrounding it were used as a military post, and that was Camp Tyler. Control of the camp changed hands between the Union and the Confederacy several times over the course of the war. Once the war ended, the completion of the building was prioritized. So earlier we said that the hospital was built from 1858 to 1881, but it did open while it was still being built because buildings were added along the way. But the hospital opened in 1864, and it was relatively self-sufficient. They had their own ice plant, a dairy herd, and they grew their own vegetables. Also, look, do you want to nerd out a little bit? Absolutely. Go look up how ice comes came to people like in olden times. I find that fascinating. I think you've said that before too. Like I know every time. It's just like like it is a special interest of mine knowing what ice like ice history. Well, ask the ice. Ask the ice. <laughs> so so dumb. Anyway, earlier Amanda mentioned that it was designed so that patients had physical and mental stimulation. And part of that was helping the hospital stay self-sufficient. So they would like make their own fabric and clothing and curtains. They would also create furniture and mattresses. And they would work like with the dairy herds and then the garden and with the ice plants. So like the way I envision this is it's almost like commune-esque that you are working towards the furtherance of like this community and like great in theory. Yeah. But like immediately it becomes not great. The first patient was a woman who was a housewife who had, quote, domestic trouble. Ugh, I don't like this. Yeah. And so the first logbook listed other reasons for admitting patients and they included brain congestion, grief, novel reading, seduction, (laughs) and feebleness of intellect. So like we're all over the fucking place. And then also on top of this, which and it's this next part that makes it even more like fiscally unsustainable to me, is that the asylum was paying people to drop off a patient. Oh, no. Oh, that's not good. That is not good. That is not good at all. So in 1913, the hospital's name was changed to Weston State Hospital. And look, it started off like maybe this won't be bad and then immediately became bad. And then it just gets worse and worse. Yeah. Okay, so remember, 250 is the patient maximum that it was designed for. By 1938, there were 1,661 patients. Then in 1949, there were 1,800 patients. 
The Charleston Gazette reported in 1949 that most of the hospital was unheated. There was missing lighting. There was missing furniture. And there was poor sanitation. So it's like pretty fucking bad. Yeah. Then by 1950, the hospital had 2,400 patients, again, in a place that was designed for 250. So it's beyond overcrowded. Rooms that were only meant to have one patient sometimes had up to six. And then hallways were being used to house patients like they would live in the hallways. There, again, there wasn't heat. Some patients didn't even have beds. They were just sleeping on the floor. That's sad. It's heartbreaking, right? Because you're also thinking this is like a place where people are being dropped off. Yeah. And also by this point, too, it's not even people who have what is considered to be a mental illness. It is people who have tuberculosis, rabies, asthma, indigestion. And then there were also women whose husbands just didn't think they were obedient enough. So like every woman this is a lot. was just there. This is a fucking lot, right? It went from bad to worse to, oh, God, oh, God, right? Yeah, and this many people. This many people. In a small space with some diseases that can spread easily. Exactly, right? Just bad on bad on bad. I say bad on bad on bad, but like considering that this was meant to be a place that was like curative, healing, good. It wasn't just like, here is a place where we're going to put the mentally ill and it carried the stigma with it. Like it was meant to be a positive. I feel like that makes it even worse. Yeah. But it's like it had this good-ish purpose, right? But anyway, okay. In 1985, the Charleston Gazette, they're not giving up here. They wrote about the asylum again, and they spoke about how the inspectors that had been appointed by the court said that the hospital was, quote, dirty and unkempt, and that many patients were, were confined and naked, and then some of the bathrooms were also just covered in feces. That's horrific. Yeah. In 1992, the Charleston Gazette reported on the awful conditions again. And in that same year, a man named George Edward Bodie had died after an altercation with another guest. And in 1992, a patient named Brian Scott B. killed himself, but his body wasn't found for eight days. Oh, my gosh. And that wasn't that long ago. It's not that long ago. And if you're thinking of a place that is like this crowded, how isn't he found for eight days? Yeah, well, they just weren't listening to people. Mm -hmm. That's horrible. Right? So the facility obviously was going downhill and it continued to go downhill while it was still in use. The wallpaper was peeling and like there's even mold on the windows. So just anyone in there was getting sick for various reasons, right? Mold causes people to get sick. So if like you're already sick. Well, also, even just thinking of any building and the normal wear and tear that you would expect it to have, how do you maintain a building that is almost 10 times its intended capacity? in any sort of way you can't especially when like it's very clear that it wasn't being staffed well yeah there's no way there's no way of keeping up it's impossible exactly so let's get even worse right let's talk about some of the procedures or what they thought was treatment over four thousand experimental lobotomies were performed here and they used what is described as the ice pick method do you get like shivers down your spine Ugh, i do i do and this was performed by putting a pointed thin rod into the eye socket of the patient, and then a hammer would be used to push through the connective tissue and into the frontal lobe of the brain. Ugh. It, like, hurts my heart. Ugh. Okay. And obviously, like, this sometimes resulted in death. Makes sense. So by doing this, it essentially severed neural connections, and the patients seemingly lost their personalities. Like, it would just, I don't know, cut off, you know, parts of the brain that needed to speak and made them completely different afterwards. Patients were also given very strong medications. For example, one was Thorazine, and it was used to treat 
psychotic disorders. But in this case, it was more administered to keep the patients catatonic. Which seems like disgusting that they're like, we'll just keep them catatonic so that we don't have to really deal with them for people. We're just dealing with like feeding, changing, not like really dealing with people. Yeah, it's disgusting. It's so horrible. And some of the patients were given insulin shock therapy to induce comas. So they're like, you're too much. Let's just make you go to sleep. Yeah. They also conducted shock treatment. They used confinement cribs and they would do bloodletting, which I think we've talked about that a little bit too. It's just like, not great. Staff working in this place were also attacked. Women were raped. Some were physically attacked in other ways as well. And one of the nurses even went missing one evening. And two months later, her rotting remains were found at the bottom of a staircase that wasn't used. Oof. It wasn't just the patients sometimes, like some of the people that worked there were getting killed and like no one even noticed. Yeah. So finally, the facility closed in 1994, which again, like that's not terribly long ago. Like we were alive mm-hmm. then, you know, <laughs> that freaks me out. Yeah. It closed because the building's deterioration and it was also running in poor condition, obviously. Mm hmm. Plus, there were changes in mental illness treatments, which for the positive, like, right, we've learned a lot. That's one of the reasons also why it's so shocking that this existed still in 1994. Yes. I'm not saying it was like amazing, but you don't think of any of this stuff kind of happening in 1994. No. Anytime I like read any stuff like this, I'm like, oh, that was before I was born, right? Like that was so Mm -hmm. long ago. That was like when my grandmother was born. Not in my lifetime. Yeah. Or at least I'm thinking like 70s, the latest, not like the 90s. So the closure of the facility was awful for the local economy, though. Mm -hmm. The massive hospital was bought at an auction by Joe Jordan for $1.5 million. Which feels incredibly inexpensive for 600 acres anywhere. Yes. And then also considering that like with inflation, the money earlier was a million dollars. Right. And that wasn't even all of the buildings. Right. That was a portion. And with inflation, this was under cost. Yeah. Yes, for sure. So now the hospital runs both historic tours and haunted tours. They originally started doing this so that they could fund the restoration of the building. So let's talk about the hauntings. The first place we're going to talk about, it's described as the back room, but a patient named Dean was murdered by two other patients named Big Jim and David Mason in that room. And it's near the back of one of the wings. Big Jim and David Mason had tried to hang Dean, but when they were unsuccessful, they forced his head underneath the bed frame that was like standing as bed frames are. Yeah. And then they jumped on the bed frame until the bed frame touched the floor. Ugh, that's horrible. Fucking brutal. And this is not the only instance where patients were murdered by other patients in the hospital, but it is one of the situations where they are more sure of the events. People have reported hearing cries and a cold spot in the room. There's also instances where people will see two shadows and then the energy in the room will shift and it'll feel uncomfortable. And they'll hear disembodied voices and that there's always like one of the voices a little bit more quiet. Yeah. And they think that that was Dean. That's sad. Yeah. So when patients were deemed uncontrollable by staff, they would be sent to isolation cells. And the staff was overworked and irritated. 
And it was up to them when people will be sent to isolation cells. And I would also point out, right, it is that irritation and overworked that also led to putting them in catatonic states so that they were easier, quote unquote, right? So I would imagine this is happening quite often. They're being put in isolation cells because it's just easier. Yeah. So they were known to be so awful that patients would go to extreme lengths to get out of those isolation cells. One instance involved a former boxer who he had retired from boxing after he had sustained head injuries and he started becoming violent like outside of the ring. Yeah. And so he was locked in an isolation cell and he tried to beat down the door and there's dents in the door. He eventually ripped the door off of its hinges and he walks out afterwards. He's completely calm and he just hands the nurse the ripped off door. Like, and he just goes back to his room because he didn't want to like go do anything terrible. He just didn't want to be in that room. Yeah, fair. Mm -hmm. And so the rooms that were used as isolation cells most frequently have violent energies attached to them. People have reported being scratched and feeling like they've been pushed. Some even report having heard disembodied voices saying, get me out of here. That's really sad. Right? So the next spirit we're going to talk about is called Little Lily. And people have heard Lily laughing, and she's known for playing games with people who pay attention to her. And when the hospital was operating, women who were pregnant at the time, they would give birth and raise their children in the asylum with them. Which is unfathomable. Yeah. When reading about this, what I often didn't see was, how were these women becoming pregnant? Was it that they came to the hospital pregnant? Was it that there were consensual relationships among patients? Is it that there was sexual assault? Especially if you're thinking that there is large populations of women who are comatose. Yeah. Yeah. Or in a catatonic state. Yeah. And unfortunately, that still happens today. Yes. Like recently, that's happened. Disgusting. Yeah. So it's believed that one of the spirits, Lily, had spent her entire life at the hospital. And there are a few different versions of Lily's story, just like a lot of our ghost stories. But the most well-known is this. Lily's mother, Gladys, was sent to the hospital after she had been raped by Civil War soldiers. It's unclear whether Gladys or her family knew she was pregnant prior to admitting her into the hospital. Gladys passed during childbirth, and the nurses in the ward named the baby Lily. Lily died when she was just nine after she came down with pneumonia. That's so sad. That is very sad. She grew up without her mom in this fucking institution that was a hell and then only made it to nine. Yeah. So some people who visit Lily's room leave her gifts like candy, stuffed animals or other toys. And she sometimes moves the toys and the candy has disappeared. I'm just telling you, if I ever go here, I'm absolutely going to bring her candy and toys. Oh, absolutely. The idea of like a little kid ghost who actually is like playing with those things. Uh huh. That's cute and sad. Well, have you seen some of the ghost hunting items now or like devices? Those like teddy bears. Yeah, are meant yeah. for ghost children. And it like mm -hmm. makes me sad, but like warms my heart at the same time. Here's a toy. It makes it less scary. Yes. Right? Yes. So let's talk about another one. And this one's name is Slewfoot. Of course. It's unknown how he got this particular nickname. Sounds not great. But he would allegedly roam around the upstairs floors and he would torture people in the upstairs bathroom. Again, I cannot shut my eyes and like wash my face in a bathroom that's haunted because like this is what happens. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so this particular bathroom is said to be haunted by Slewfoot. Would you go in there and get your ghost massage? No, he's torturing people. He's no Michael. He wouldn't help me put my lashes on. <laughs> Another ghost is named Ruth. 
And she had lived on the first floor and she was in what was known as the Civil War Wing and lived with the veterans. However, Ruth was known to hate men with an unbelievable rage and she would throw things at the men any chance that she got. I wonder what they did to her. That's so sad. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there's a reason why she hated these men. Yes. That's why I'm also like, why the fuck would you keep her in this wing? Because they're terrible at what they do. the only wing that's all men. Why are you like... Why are you here? And Ruth. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like we've talked about a lot, there were Civil War soldiers. And so some of those soldiers were admitted to the area that was called the Civil War Wing and ended up dying in the hospital. And there are reports that they still haunt the halls, which I feel like any place that they're like civil war soldiers were there like any home anything they are also haunted by civil war soldiers yeah now let's talk about one of the nurses so nurse elizabeth there's not too much known about her or how she died however she was known to take care of the patients on several floors and she said to still roam the halls again i do not want ghost employees you're not being paid Uh uh-uh it's time to go it's unsettling thinking of medical employees as ghosts that's like a next tier of scary ghosts right i don't i extra don't like that i think that's also because that's like a trope it is it is i think that that trope is one of the scariest tropes when i'm watching a horror movie too oh yeah i do not like it so just various other experiences have been had around this hospital and things that people have experienced are they've seen breaking glass they've seen dark shadows And then objects just like move on their own, just casually, just move. Don't like it. They also hear cries, banging on the walls, and disembodied voices, which like, understandable. This was a hellhole. Well, it's a hellhole, but also like, there were so many people. Yeah, just that bad energy. Like, there's no way that that's a good place to be. Yeah. Yeah. Woof. So we are leaving the hospital slash asylum, and we're going to Kentucky because we're going to talk about the Flatwoods Monster. Now, in our most recent episode on cryptids, aka Hopkinsville Goblins, Amanda talked about Project Blue Book, and the Flatwoods Monster was also part of that project. Sorry if you can hear Moo loudly snoring, but there is a show that's called Project Blue Book. It's like a fictionalized show about that. And I was like, oh, I'm going to watch the Flatwoods Monster episode. And then I very quickly realized that there was like a storyline and like plot that I was missing. And then (laughs) as shows normally have. Well, I didn't know if it was like individual, like, yeah, individual or like, you know how sometimes with like a criminal minds, like there's like other storylines, but it's like just that crime, you know, like that just that one killer. I was like, maybe it's like that, but it wasn't. And also like within the first few minutes, the dramatization that they had of the original counter was way off. And I was like, nope, <laughs> I turned it off. And I was like, I'll watch this and I want to watch this, which is what I was talking about earlier. It looks like a good show, but I was like, not for research purposes, just for joy. OK, OK. But so let's talk about the Flatwoods monster. So. A bit before mid-September in 1952, Audra Harper reported a strange incident when she was walking near her home in Heaters, which is about five miles from the Flatwoods. And she was walking to the store with her friend, and they had cut through the woods as a shortcut. Nope. And they'd been walking for about a half mile when they passed a hill that casually had a ball of fire on it. No big deal. And Audra was like, no worries. It's just one of my neighbor's fox chasing. What? (laughs) What? I don't know, Audra. I don't know. But so, on the way back, on the same hill, the fire was gone. This, she did find weird, for some reason. The absence of fire. Which is fair. Because instead of a fire, there was a tall, dark silhouette of a humanoid creature. Audra and her friend 
ran. Okay. Fair. Yeah. Great. So this next instance is what people really talk about as like the main sighting of the Flatwood Monster. But around dusk on Saturday, September 12th of 1952, the Maid Brothers, 13-year-old Ed and 12-year-old Freddie, were playing in the schoolyard with their friends, Tommy Heyer, who was 10, and Neil Nunley. While they were playing, they saw a light shoot through the sky and ultimately crash on the Fisher's farm, and that was nearby in the Flatwoods. They described the light that they saw as red and pulsating. And just as a note, this is about five miles from where Alder had had her sighting. So the boys got Mrs. May and went to the hill to follow where the light had crashed to. And other people and a dog had made their way to the crash site too. And that included Ronald Shaver and Eugene Jean Lemon. When they got there, they saw that pulsating light again and they saw bright lights to their left. Interesting. Yeah. And A. Lee Stewart wrote in a local newspaper, seven Braxton County residents on a Saturday reported seeing a 10-foot Frankenstein-like monster in the hills above the Flatwoods. A National Guard member, Gene Lemon, was leading the group when he saw what appeared to be a pair of bright eyes in a tree. No, thank you. No. (laughs) Now, other sources would later say that they described the creature as 12 feet tall. That's too big. (laughs) Too big. Too tall. Too big. Too tall, yeah. The article also mentioned that it had a blood red body and a green face that glowed. So it was like a 12-foot Christmas tree monster? That is what I think. Like, whenever I see pictures, I'm like, they're here for the season of Christmas. Yeah. They're Christmas monsters. And like, yeah, green but face not. Load. Yeah. So like the opposite of Rudolph. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Lemon apparently fell backwards and screamed when he saw the creature. Okay, fair. Fair. And by the way, he was only 17 at the time. So, again, absolutely fair. 17-year-old seeing this horrible Christmas monster. Yeah. This should be in our Christmas Monsters episode, really. Although not technically a Christmas monster, a Christmassy monster. <laughs> it counts. Christmas colored monsters. <laughs> so there was a dense like mist or fog, so it was pretty difficult to see. But witnesses say that it had claw-like hands, because don't they all? Of course, why not? Some of the witnesses experienced throat irritation, vomiting, and nausea for a couple of days after the encounter. That's anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> so some sources note that it was like the same effects as mustard gas, which like mustard gas isn't great. Yeah, no. But yeah, they, they were feeling things for a couple days. Yeah. Now, a couple more descriptions of what they saw. Its head was shaped like a spade. Specific. Very specific. So it had a dark dress that seemed to be metal. Fashion. So like it is ready for the season. You're right. <laughs> Yeah. Its eyes glowed. What do you think? Orange. Right? We have red eyes. We have yellow eyes. Now we have orange eyes. We're, we're doing a lot of color here. We are. It's It doesn't really mix well with the green and then the orange. I don't disagree with you. It <laughs> levitated off the ground. Fantastic. The creature glided towards the witnesses while hissing. So it was pissed off. And also the witnesses reported a noxious smell. So it was stinky as well. I love that it glided and hiss though like it feels like things that would hiss wouldn't glide like an elegant gal doesn't hiss but you know what maybe an elegant gal does hiss you can be elegant and hiss at strangers (laughs) with your orange eyes i think that's fair and your metal dress this thing has a lot a lot happening you're all dressed up they're in your way they've got a lot of feelings at you you just hiss at them and you go on your way (laughs) sweetie so much so much so like state police didn't really believe the reports shock shock yeah 
Lee would later tell people, quote, those people were the most scared people I've ever seen. Like, fair. Like, what we're describing sounds awful. If a news reporter is saying, like, no, they were legitimately scared. I don't know whether I believe it more because they talk to more people who have stories or if I believe it less because it behooves them for the people to think the story is credible. You know, that's fair. That's fair. And apparently he went with a shotgun to go see for himself, too. So, like, he was a little scared, right? I mean, fair. So when the Fisher Farm scene was investigated, the smell lingered and there was some flattened grass, but that was about it. So like they didn't find the thing. So soon after, 20 miles south of the Flatwoods in Strange Creek, Jordan, Edith, Sanowski and their year and a half old son were driving on Route 4 between Clay and Braxton when their car died for no apparent reason. And also Flatwoods are in Braxton County. So they're close. It was nighttime, so it was dark, and George unsuccessfully tried to restart the car. The road they were on was completely deserted, so they're kind of like, oh, fuck, like, what are we going to do, yeah. right? And they're trying to figure that out when they just smell this terrible smell, and it smells like sulfur. And apparently the baby smells it, too, because the baby just starts, like, crying. Then they witness an inexplicable bright light, and then a 10-foot fall creature began to hover in front of their vehicle. No, thank you. No, right? No. <laughs> they described the creature pretty similar to what the witnesses at Fisher Farm saw, but they didn't see a spade-shaped head. And it's now kind of believed that perhaps the spade shape was actually a hood that was attached to the, to the metal dress. Fancy dress. Okay. Okay. Right? But what the Sanowski saw was a bony head that looked reptilian. Oh, no. So, yes. The creature eventually drifted into the woods, but before it did... It dragged its reptilian claw across the hood of the car. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> right? I don't know why, but like in my head, they're like, wash this. You know how when you're watching a show and the person like runs their finger along and sees dust? That's what I'm seeing. <laughs> so as soon as the creature was gone, they tried to start the car and it worked. So they got the fuck out of there. Fair. Fair. Yeah. So not too surprisingly, news of this creature spread to other local news and national media outlets. Mrs. May and Jean that we talked about earlier were interviewed in New York by CBS. So part of what really like feeds people believing this at this time period, too, and kind of how widespread this gets is that credible publications like Time are publishing things about flying saucers. So people are like really like, OK, maybe this is a thing. And people know that there's like UFO sightings that are kind of more prevalent. You might hear cats playing. People are like hearing more. I feel like a lot of like the original sightings of things are during this time period. And in terms of theories, the only theory I really saw was that people thought it was a fucking owl. It's always an like, owl. What kind of owl is dressed like this? By the way, I sent Lindsay while we we're talking about this so many metal colored hooded dresses. And I expect that she buys one. I'll look fabulous. That would actually be an excellent Halloween costume. Not Halloween. Daily walk through the woods. Daily. Oh, yeah. What are you going to wear when you walk through the woods, if not that? Also, there is a Flatwoods Monster Convention. The last one was in September of 2023. Just missed it. And there's also, like, there's not new sightings. Like, it's just this one. But while we're on the topic of cryptids in Appalachia, we've also already talked about a few. Mothman, Snallygaster. Or the Blair Witch's Pet. Yes. We also, it's, it's not a cryptid, but we have talked about it. The Bell Witch is also in Appalachia. Yes. So we've already talked about a whole bunch of these topics. We have. So are you ready for our last one in our Appalachian trip? I think we're ready. I think we're ready. Also, this is very important to know, and it's going to be an episode proper. 
while we've been recording, Lindsay brought home her new family member or the new family member appeared during our recording. Yes. Yes. Theodore, tiny cat's son, is now here and he's very cute. Like very cute. You'll see lots of pictures. You might hear cats hissing. You might hear like cat sounds. In the after credits, you'll hear me giving Ben attitude because I think he's making sounds, but it's actually the cats because I was like, you can stay in here if you're going to be quiet. Moose licking her feet. <laughs> so any weird pauses or any weird sounds, it's because there's a kitten and kittens are insane. Yeah. But so cute. And Lindsay will be putting a picture of him on our stories. Sorry, I'm petting tiny cat now. So she knows she's still so love. Come here, tiny girl. Okay, so, like Lindsay said, our last one, and that's Brown Mountain Lights. I'm already excited. It doesn't sound as exciting, but it is interesting. <laughs> I love when they're like, lights, that means something crazy. Brown lights. And like, like, actually, you know what, going back real quick, what they saw was just like a weird cosplay in the mountains. Yeah, you're not wrong. With like giant boots to make them really tall. <laughs> they're like, that's a look. We don't like this fashion choice. This has to be something otherworldly. So... Let's talk about the Brown Mountain Lights. There have been reports of lights near Brown Mountain in North Carolina, and they're not always seen at the same spot, but they're typically between 60 and 70 miles northeast of Asheville in Burke County. The lights are described as small, bright dots, but are as bright as stars, but they're not stars, guys. Some reports seeing the lights move in a manner similar to fireworks, but like slower. Very specific. They've also been described as orbs, and the color of the lights also vary. You know what this makes me think of? The Gurdon lights. Have you ever seen a drone show? Yes. Yes. And they kind of like slowly disperse before they make like the next thing? Yes. That's what I think of. But thousands of people have seen them, and that's over several centuries. So seeing them is pretty rare. And also, drone shows didn't exist way back then. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the earliest sightings were from the Cherokee and the Catawba Native Americans. And colonial settlers and Civil War soldiers also reported seeing the lights. So, like, we're seeing them through a very long span of time. Yeah. The U.S. government has investigated the lights three times. Two of the times were in 1913 and 1922, when the U.S. Geological Survey investigated them. They were even included in an episode of X-Files in 1999. Love it. I still can't get over the theme song for that. It still scares me. Really? It does. It brings me so much joy. When I was little, it would like come on when I'd be like getting ready to go to sleep. And then I'd like sit there and watch it. But it's like when you're laying in bed, we lived in haunted houses a lot of the time too. So like that music meant that it's time for bed and time for the scary stuff to happen. Something weird is about to occur. Yeah. But there are some good viewing spots if you'd like to check these lights out eventually. Whatever they decide to occur again. If you can. (laughs) If you can. So Linville Gorge, Wiseman's View, Table Rock, Hawksville Mountains, and Blue Ridge Parkway. From what I saw, the Wiseman's View was like a prime seating. Best, if you could. Yeah. Prime viewing area. Prime Prime viewing. Perfect. It's the wise place to view. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Kicked off the podcast. My favorite is when I can like make Amanda just like look down and and, like regret all of her choices (laughs) about like whether like why she chose to be on a podcast with me. (laughs) Chef's kiss. Anywho, the movie Alien Abduction, a found footage independent film that came out in 2014, features the lights as integral to the abductions. Don't like that. I haven't seen that movie, but now I kind of want to watch it. (laughs) 
I know. I saw some of the um, things that we read on it talked about how it was like the best found footage film since The Blair Witch Project. Nothing will top The Blair Witch Project ever. The best since. No. Not that it was better, but just that it was good. They should just re-release Blair Witch again. They can't fool us all again, though. They can fool the next generation. You're right. You're right. If they take away their internet and their phones, like we had to live. Out of their cold, dead hands. Out of their cold, dead hands. (laughs) Yes. Let's talk about theories as to what these lights are. The first is ghost lanterns. Okay. We've heard that before, though. With the Gurdon lights, they also thought that was ghost lanterns. So I was like, fascinating. UFO lights, bioluminescence generally, brush fires. Okay. Which, like... None of these sound like brush fires to me. No, not at all. And so like Amanda mentioned earlier that the United States Geological Survey had come out to study them. Well, they actually have an explanation for it. And they say that they're train headlights or that they're lights from a nearby city. But this doesn't make sense because people were seeing these lights in places where trains were not. Well, also, they were so spread out. Like if they were just lights from the city or a train, they would be seen more frequently. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so one of the people that have studied the Brown Mountain Lights for quite a bit is Dr. Dan Caton, and he teaches physics and astronomy at the Appalachian State University. How fitting. And he's been studying them for decades. So he and Lee Hawkins, who also works at the university as an observatory engineer, set up cameras so they could continuously view the mountains to see if they could capture them. Yes. Per Dr. Caton, we hoped with the cameras that we would see enough lights that we could correlate it to something like geomagnetic activity, meteorology, something. But they couldn't. And so his theory is something that I'd never fucking heard of in my life and blew my mind a little bit. Maybe you've heard of it. I hadn't. He's like, I think it's ball lightning. And he describes them as sports ball sized balls of gas or light that can appear indoors or outdoors and talks about how they can laterally drift and disappear. We also like looked up a little bit more on these and we saw that they're a pretty rare phenomenon that occur near thunderstorms and they could be red or white or blue or orange and they're unaware of why these occur with thunderstorms like there are some theories that are intensely scientific in a way that made me feel like i wasn't very smart <laughs> and i was like i can't digest this no but there's theories but there's no like this is why right right and because it's so like rare it's hard to study yes they have um sometimes like recreated them but not with enough repetition to be absolutely sure but here's a very interesting fact first it is lightning so it can cause burning or melting of things that are nearby but otherwise it's considered harmless but here's the weird part most of the time where there's ball lightning there is an odor and a hissing sound and that odor is like sulfur huh does that make you think of anything that we literally just talked about maybe the hissing sound wasn't the flatwoods monster maybe it was the ball lightning Maybe. And like in some of these pictures of ball lightning, if you like glance at it, it could kind of look like a metallic dress, like a metal dress. Or like it kind of looks like fire, right? Lightning can look like fire. Can, but like when it's rounded, you could almost think that it's a silhouette of something. Well, I'm saying like the ball of fire part. Oh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And like we've seen balls of fire in so many things. Yes. Just off the top of my head, it makes me think of Ditlov. Yes. But sometimes ball lightning is confused with bead lightning. And that looks like normal lightning, but like if it was a dotted line. Oh, okay. Isn't that bizarre? I'm like, I didn't know that there was this many types of shapes of lightning. Yeah, I just considered it lightning. What a weird thing to learn. Yeah. But ball lightning was totally new. Yeah. 
Yeah. Fascinating. And I'm like, I wonder how many cryptid encounters perhaps were shaped by this. Because if ball lightning struck somewhere, it's not unlikely that another person would go see it. We know it was at Fisher Farm. What if somebody on Fisher Farm went to where the lightning was? And since they were closer to it, they just got there first. And that perspective wise, if they're up on a hill, they kind of look bigger and they look taller. Or like, what if somebody was out and they're like fucking silver hooded, silver green nightgown dress? (laughs) And we're just like out living their lives. And then there was that lightning. And then fuck. Now you're a cryptid baby. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that makes sense. Solved it. Well, as always, I mean, we just solved it. But do you have any alternate theories of what this could be? Also, did you enjoy our little Appalachia trip? Are there other Appalachian things that you want to hear about? Let us know. Yeah, there's so we many. We want to know. There's so we many. Tell the people about them. Some things might end up being their own episodes because they're so long. But I like when we could just have a few wrapped up all together. No, that's fair. And I am in Appalachia TikTok. So like I get spooky. It's a scary place to be. Yeah, TikToks all the time. And every time I'm like, <gasps> tell me more. Well, as always, you know, tell us what you think. And with that, have a great weekend. Thanks for creeping with us. Thanks for listening. And as always, a special thank you to our patrons who support us via Patreon. Please see the link in our show notes to learn more about how you, yes, you, can begin to haunt the dump, guard vortexes, or even become a scorching Sasquatch. Also in our show notes, you can find the link to our website, more information on our sources, our social media handles, and our merch store. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps and or ghosts. I beg of you. (laughs) I was in the Dunkin' drive-thru the other day getting my coffee because I live there. Amanda runs on Dunkin'. (laughs) My mom gave me a sticker (laughs) for Christmas to put on the car. It's like, I'm not that much. Okay, calm down. We're going to send this episode to Dunkin' Donuts. And we're going to say, yeah, oh my God. Yes, that's my dream. Dunkin' Donuts. Can you sponsor us so I can just get coffee forever? That's a good sponsorship. Yeah. Yeah, I would have made it. That I would have peaked. That is the biggest celebrity status. Arrived when you're, you know how they have like, it's celebrities, but it's also just like influencers when they're like, so and so's drink, when your drink is up on the menu oh, a certain yeah. thing, like the amanda whatever it is and it's like the drink and food you get oh it's gonna be real weird but i'm gonna love it well anyways i was in the duncan drive-thru <laughs> i cannot in- not interrupt you no, i died editing that episode by the way oh man i was you had said like the last second is good and i when i heard myself do that early in the episode i was like i hope that's the last second and i was so proud as i'm saying it i think we need a no beef shirt yes please and everything maybe that's one with, of our stickers with the little alien no beef. With two hands, two hands, just two hands up. No beef. I died though. And when I added that there, like I knew I had added it there, but I listened through, even though I've already edited the end because I'm moving it over as I'm editing. Yeah. I listened and I just, I cackled as I was like <laughs> typing it to you. Yeah. Cause it's such a tone difference, but yeah, it's so fucking loud. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, everyone's ears, but I had to. Yeah. It's fair. <laughs> My, my room was like, did you know there were cat toys underneath your couch? Look at all these. I got them. Look at all these. I got them. <laughs> Look, before Lenore passed, bless her soul, we started using our off-brand Roomba. And the first time she encountered it, it was pushing cat toys out from underneath the bed. 
So she, or not under the bed, under the couch. So she like turns and here is this robot playing with her toys. And she's like, what the fuck is this? She's like, <laughs> and then it like follows in on its like Roomba path, which only the Roomba knows where it's going next. Right. Oh, yeah. And immediately goes over to where their food is. And their food is on like a tray that had like a, a low lip. It goes onto the food tray. So then it's eating her food. The robot's playing with her toys. In, and she was like, it's like, get the shit oh, out of here. So mad she was just following it around he's screaming at it and i was like you hate this and like ben doesn't like it because it's loud and it gets on his nerves so i was like oh it's your nemesis it was lenore's nemesis like it upset her this robot cat sucks she's like i hate this get this disc out of here it's playing with my toys it's eating my food i don't like it (laughs) oh poor thing ours has like a camera built in so it's supposed to like not go over things that it shouldn't and it's not supposed to get stuck as frequently. I'm incredibly, I'm way too paranoid to have a camera vacuum in my house. <laughs> well, it only looks at a couple inches in front of itself. Allegedly. So like, think of the the videos that went viral of it going over like dog shit and like moving it around the house. It's to prevent things like that from happening. I mean, that's fair. That's a fucking nightmare. Yeah. My favorite Roomba video is where it escapes. And goes like, oh, it like goes out the door. It's like toodaloo. It does not like something I'm doing. It wants you to go to Holiday Inn Express. What's? Am I being hacked? Well, you downloaded a virus. No. (laughs) It's like you will go to Holiday Inn Express. I will not let you do anything until you do. I don't want to go to. What's happening? It wants you to go to fucking Holiday Inn Express. Every goddamn thing you clearly, clearly. Oh my god. What the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to go to it in Microsoft Edge, which I don't want to do, but I want to show you this map. No. So that as we're d- It's like Holiday and Express once you hear. Yeah, I bet it I bet it does it again. It's a Holiday and Express now. <laughs> oh no, it's not. It's not. In our last episode, I said I digressed so many times that I wanted to start a drinking game. Being like, how many times am I going to say this? Like, I was like, do we make the name of the episode, I digress, Hopkinsville Goblins? Because I said it so many times. (laughs) So that's the only one I get today. Okay. I said it once. No more. (laughs) No more. Okay. I'm just going to copy and paste this 16 times at the end. (laughs) And then put how dare you after. Perfect. Perfect. Control of the camp changed hands between the Union and the Confederate. Control of the the confetti. And they spoke about how inspectors have been important. Oh, my God, Lindsay. Imported. The word appointed. It's not getting to me today. They got imported. they spoke about appointed. What's the movie I'm thinking of? House on Haunted Hill? Is that the one? I was going to say 16 ghosts. There's also... 16 ghosts? 17... 13 ghosts. Oh, my God, 16 ghosts. (laughs) 16 candles, 13 ghosts the sequel also i was just thinking about how un- i'm sorry i was moving my microphone i was just thinking about how unhappy tiny cat's gonna be in a couple hours or an hour when she meets reunites with her son it's like not this shit again she's like i was a child you let me be a child now i'm a mother again she's like nope now i'm a baby <laughs> no big deal audra and her friend her, her friend what's wrong with me her friend <laughs> <laughs> recommending her friend is recommending shut up then i'm recording therefore i can't talk like, I'm unable to. You just need me to get it on the first read-through? Where is get it? fucked. Oh, my gosh. No, tell her to fuck off, though. Get out of here. <laughs> the first read-through. How dare him. 
gross. You're fucked. Oh, hi, I'm your mom. Well, next gift giving. I have to send you that dress. I think I would look cute in it. Who doesn't like a hood? I only want you to wander the woods around your house in it. I'll go hiking in it. I want you to stand behind your like family's house in like the trees there. You have the green hair. Oh, like I it do. Works. I do. We'll get you some like orange glasses so it'll look like your eyes. I'm the Flatwoods monster and the Blair Witch. You're not the Blair Witch. She got so mad <laughs> in the face when I said it. <laughs> also, the Blair Witch is an Appalachia. Yep. She's the queen. As I'm suddenly guessing that that's correct. <laughs> oh my God. I'm done. We're done. Episode end. <laughs> Goodbye. Do you remember when we were recording these in like an ep- like uh, an hour ten, and we're back to like two hours of recording again? God, why do we suck? I think it's because we're also like we've got some like longer content as well. Yeah, and I have a cold, so like in between everything, I have to like prepare myself. Also, a kitten existed, and a kitten. Yeah, this is just all bad things happen. It was well, a lot. not bad, but <gasps> oh, good all thing. Good, no, the you're cold getting phlegm out. Good. I'm getting a family member. <laughs> you're getting phlegm out. It's a good thing. How am I sick, like, every, like, three episodes? You have a child. I know. Children are fucking gross. And you don't sleep. That might be it. I think it's also more that you don't sleep. Probably. Which is because you have a child. Mm-hmm. Let's look. Let's ask the internet. Catawa. Oh, no. Okay. Catawba. No, I don't. No, it, that's how it's spelled, but this is how it's said. Catawba. This, this lady says Catawba. I'm looking at Google. I Googled Catawba, too. British pronunciation. Why would I want that? <laughs> Catawba. How many things on this podcast have I said with a British pronunciation because my Google was set to British? Why is my Google set British? <laughs> you know how many times I'm like, Lindsay, it said like this. And she's like, no. Google says this. And I'm like, okay. Mine's British. Well, your Google's British. Mine's not. <laughs> I digress. Oh, no. Oh, oh. <laughs> rough rough sorry i say so i'm just glad i've only 10, said it once. times per episode yeah but so is like one word transition i digress is like such a specific like it's a phrase i could hear i was like i can't take it out because there's no other transition but i don't like this <laughs> oh we need to go over our transition words again because i take out we do 500 so's from me i'm like there, there's no reason for it to be there yeah, but I can't take I digress out because it's typically from like a, a tangent that's staying in episode proper. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, it's, bad. it's all right. It's all right. Well, the only people that notice it are us. But now we're telling everyone. So now everyone's going to notice it and hate us. But also it was one episode, not like it happened a whole bunch and I didn't notice. Like I've said that phrase before, but never this much. <laughs> Hopefully. If I have, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, guys. Oh, I should kind of say his name. I'm sorry. One moment. Oh, make sure it's in British, though. Oh, fuck. <laughs> God damn it. My... You want me to look it up with my silly American accent? Your fucking name. <laughs> I don't hear that British accent. Also, are you looking at your camera right now? Can, I, can you see yourself? Yes. Why do you sound so scary? Well, I, I don't see you right now. I only see like this weird blob. Hold on. I'll show you. Hold on. What do you mean? I'll show you. Like, are you looking? I'm like, what do you see behind me? I'm terrified. Oh, no, I don't see. I see nothing. I see, like, you're a broken old school TV. And now it's gone. Oh. Now you're gone. 
uh, Amanda's view of me is just like when you don't have access to a television station from the 90s, what it looks like. And that I don't know why I find deeply. Unsettling. And you turned purple. It's also not even the right color. Yeah. Hers is purple. It should be green. Mine should be green. Yeah, I don't know. I was just like, Obviously. what is happening right now? And now you're back, though. Good. Good. <laughs> My gorgeous face. <laughs> you're not the Blair Witch. I'm the Flatwoods monster. <laughs>